Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Key. And this week we are looking at season two, episode <sighs> 13. <14. laughs> I thought it was 14. No, it's 13. Episode 13, yeah. That's why you do the intro, mate. <laughs> Retirement <laughs> is murder, in which Frasier and Daphne attempt to solve a grisly old murder case of Martin's and inevitably draw some wildly incorrect conclusions. Key, in this episode, an unsolved murder obviously takes centre stage. Do you have a particularly favourite unsolved mystery or crime that you've always been fascinated by? I ask this because I have loads, and I'm, I'm going I'm to share one, and I'll keep it very brief, like one minute. Um, but I wonder if you have any. First thing that pops into mind is the Kennedy assassination. Mm, you go, you're going big. <laughs> I, am going I love big. it. <laughs> I, I um, love 20th century history and particularly Cold War and Kennedy era. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I really like that. I mean, I have a lot of books on, on you know, Lee Harvey Oswald, Kennedy, that side of things. Um, mm. Going back further, I mean, also, when, we did, when we were younger, we did Jack the Ripper and we always studied oh. that. But probably doesn't grip my imagination quite as much as the big one. The big one. I um I read from uh, From Hell, which is a really famous graphic novel by Alan Moore, who wrote um, Watchmen and things like that. Um, and that's I read that recently actually, and that's all about Jack the Ripper, and that that follows a, a very very good conspiracy theory, though I think has definitely been debunked. That essentially it was this doctor who was in the employ of like Queen Victoria or something. Yeah, and I've heard that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the one. That's that goes down. It's very, very grisly and grim. But the thing is, that I I just jumped to conclusions about any evidence. I'm like, it was a doctor, obvious. <laughs> well, you got to prove that, Kieran. Um, well, you know, it's obvious. Hunch, isn't it? a hunch. <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> I think you should join the uh, the police force, game with those kind of <laughs> Can you imagine it? <laughs> I um, what, my one of my favorites actually. I've got it up here on Wikipedia is um, the disappearance of Brandon Swanson. Now, I spent a lot of time on Reddit and other forums just looking up unsolved mysteries and stuff, and this one really creeps me out because it's very simple, and there's probably a simple explanation for it, but these kinds of disappearances are always really strange to me. Um, this will literally take me one minute to read out from his Wikipedia page. So, shortly after midnight on May 14th, 2008, Brandon Swanson of Marshall, Minnesota, United States, drove his car into a ditch on his way home from celebrating the end of the spring semester with fellow students. Uninjured, he got out and called his parents on his cell phone. Unsure of his exact location, he told them he believed he was near Lind as they drove out to pick him up. And they, Sorry, and they drove out to pick him up. However, they were unable to locate him. Swanson remained on the phone with them until he abruptly ended the call 45 minutes later after exclaiming, oh shit, and he has not been seen or heard from since. And they've like dragged the river there. There's nobody. Um, they, he was actually really far away from the town of Lind where he thought he was close by. So he was like really like in rural woods, basically. They've gone to, obviously, investigators have gone to these places where he, he thinks he might have been. And yeah, there's just something about that. It's the, the way the call goes on for 45 minutes. He's obviously like, you know, he's close to his parents. He's phoned them for comfort. They're on their way. And then just that sudden, oh shit. And then the line going dead. Um, and him him ending the phone call as well. It's not like he dropped his phone and the phone carried on. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Just, I don't know. I think it's the ones that leave it like that, where there's just absolutely no explanation. So interesting to me. Um really creeps me out but yeah very different to the kennedy assassination you've got kind of the, <laughs> you've got different. kind of national level conspiracy theory <laughs> and then 
the hobbyist's conspiracy theory over here. I feel we've set a dark tone for the start of this episode. We have, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, I, I know Corey Mischief Knight, Quizmaster in particular, is a very fan of all things spooky and mysterious. I think he in particular will get a big kick out of the, uh, the opening to this. Plus, we are like a week and a bit away from Halloween, so come on, babe, we know. Let, let us have this. In fact, I believe... Um, yeah, two in two weeks' time um, on on the Saturday, it's so not quite two weeks, where we normally would record, it is my birthday. Um, and I mean, I, I'm probably not going to be doing anything, so I'm happy to record that day key. But it'll be a nice little uh, a nice little thing to record on my birthday. But there you go. I was going to say to you, do you want to mix up the days? Cause oh, I no, I'm, like... I'm happy to do it, man. I'm happy to do it. I'm not a man who has many plans these days. <laughs> Maybe we need to do some kind of a spooky twist because we're doing it on Halloween. Oh, I've been thinking that, actually. That'd be really good. Um, in fact, I've got a really good idea. I'm not going to spoil what it is, but for the episode Sliding Frasers, you know, where it's like the alternate timelines where this is what Frasier could have done. Um, and it shows him kind of going through all these alternate universes i've got a really good idea for something we can do for that episode but i won't support what it is um but before we get into the review retirement is murder and we deal with another grizzly unsolved or as it becomes solved mystery case shall we jump into trivia corner this week eh? we shall excellent so we've been sent in some questions by the usual quiz masters cam winston and hamish of course with their little cadre of, of quizzes as well. Um, so I'm just going to hop over to Reddit and find those. I will kick things off with Hamish's questions for you, Key. So, a question numero uno from Hamish. Who is the menacing little monobrow as he is oh, isn't it? in this? Um, it's Robotar the Logger. It is. Have you ever heard this name before? Is it a first name or a surname? Robotar? I'm Other not than being sure. French. <laughs> Because I had no idea how to even spell it when I was taking my notes. Yeah, Hamish is um, doing a real good job here. I mean, I've not confirmed it, but I'm almost certain that's how it would be spelled because it's obviously a French name. I think I think it could be a first name in France. You reckon? I Robert think you shorten it to, to Robbie or Robert. That makes a lot of sense. So I can also see like a Jean Robitaille. <laughs> Jean Robitaille, oh, FBI. <laughs> Jean Robitaille is. <laughs> in. Uh, yeah, in the mystery of Brandon Lawson. <laughs> there we go. Uh, actually, it's Brandon Swanson. Brandon Lawson is an another guy who disappeared in America, but that's a different wormhole. Well, if you want to go and explore that, go and look up that, but I'm not going to get into it. Jeez. Um, well played, Key Robitaille. Um, sorry to keep bumming everyone out. <laughs> what... what <laughs> What two things do Brits like more than anything else, according to Dan? Don't we, um, we like a, um, a grizzly murder and a cup of tea. I, I'm not joking. I've got a cup of tea here. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about the disappearance <laughs> of Brandon Swanson. So yes, it is true. Daphne's got a point. Um, there we go. So, I mean, are you a fan of a grizzly murder, Key? You've already mentioned the Kennedy assassination. So clearly you've got some, some stock in that. Yeah, I like... Um... I like a, if it's a grizzly murder as a you know a good documentary of the grizzly murder. I like yeah. that. And I I'm do like happen in real life, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not not so much. I don't really get involved in the day to day. <laughs> um, I also listeners who are not based in the UK are gonna have no idea what this is, but I do like Midsummer Murders as well. Oh, Midsummer Murders is awesome. It's like Agatha Christie meets Escape to the Country. It's like <laughs> here's a cozy little English village. Someone's about to get thrown from the church tower and you know, we'll have a cup of tea and solve who did it. Um yeah, cracking stuff. Finally, so you've got the Grizzly Murder, you've got Robotai. Let's see if you can bring it home for Hamish's third. What is the error made throughout the episode when referencing the monkey? Mm, oh. I like this. Bit of a, uh, you've got to know your biology and your primates here. I'm on. 
do you I was reading something about Jane Goodall the other day, actually. It was really interesting about primates. Mm. Um, there you go, man. Fountain but, have, but he's actually absolutely no use here because I don't remember <laughs> really that much about it. Did she train a monkey to assassinate Canada? <laughs> <laughs> she could have done. That's a, that, that is a theory that hasn't been explored yet. That's... <laughs> What's wrong about the monkey? Mm, so there's an error made throughout this episode when referencing the monkey. Um, monkey is kind of the operative word here, and it's this is hard because unless you really know, you know, primate stuff, you, that the word monkey probably means to you what it means to me, which is a catch-all term. I'm, I'm, okay, so I'm guessing from this that it's not actually a monkey. Is, is what you're saying? Is, that is the clue I'm giving you. It's whether you want to pursue it. It's like a little one, isn't it? So it's like a chimpanzee or something. But is that not a monkey? There you go. It's actually a chimpanzee, which is in the ape family. Apes are not monkeys. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know where you draw the line or the distinction there, but that is a, that's a great question. Um, I wonder, a, a very, very ignorant question here. Hamish is from New Zealand. What's the what's the monkey situation like in New Zealand? Um, or indeed the wildlife situation down there? I mean, I don't even know where monkeys specifically a native to i mean you kind of get them all over don't you so i mean do you reckon they've got them in new zealand key or am i asking a ridiculous question there i don't know i mean new zealand's really small i i mm. always thought and harry is probably going to correct me on this because it could be very wrong i thought there was like a lot of sheep and goats in new zealand i think there is i think there's a lot of pastoral um and agriculture there for sure so maybe he can fill us in in the comments i'm sure he will about whether monkeys run riots on the streets of New Zealand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I thought they were just in the wildlife, but now it's like Jumanji. They've taken over. <laughs> Jumanji. I made a I made a tweet about Jumanji last night. That's weird. You should say that. Actually. Oh yeah, wasn't it that you said someone? Um, Perlo in... looks exactly like yeah. Van Pelt. <laughs> so, very niche reference for listeners. Uh, we'll move on. Um, so Mixmaster Missy Callis has also sent in a question here. What is the name? I love this question. What is the name of the Pulitzer Prize winning novel about the Scopes Monkey Trial? And she, in her question, is quoting Frasier there, because I think Frasier also calls it a novel. I'm fairly certain it was a play and not a novel. So that's a very minor, a very minor, what's it called? A mistake from the writers there. Um, yeah, I've just double checked and it is a play. It's not a book. So a weird one for the, for the writers to get wrong. But what's the play um, about the Scopes Monkey Trial? I think, doesn't Fraser say Inherit the Wind? He I does well play because he, he says it quite quickly and under his breath because he's like a bit desperate at this point. So that's really good going, I think. Um, I kinda, I've, I've, this is the only time I've actually noticed that this watch through. I always miss that. Um, and a little bonus question, Key. In which US state did the trial take place? I think I actually know this because I know a little tiny, tinsy bit about Clarence Darrow. Yeah, I always associated you knew something about Darrow. That's really weird. So I'm not surprised you know this. Um, I think is it Tennessee? Yes, it is. Well played. Did you do like philosophy and ethics or anything at like? I um Kate? I did do philosophy and ethics. Um, mm. and when I did, obviously law at yeah college. Uh, I think Clarence Starr is actually a self-educated lawyer. Wow, um, really? And he just became like, what's the really? Fa is it the Scottsboro Boys? Is that him? The one where he basically uh, said like, they, no, not the Scottsboro Boys. What's the one where he basically said you know people are born evil or something? Um, well, I swear that was him. Can't remember. Or is he more was famous for this? I'm struggling, mate. I'm, I'm I mean, gonna, when I, say, I know a little bit. I know it's, it's a tiny bit that um, I'm gonna, just got I'm mentioned gonna... in passing. Oh, but yeah, here actually... we go. Oh, no. 
I really don't. Oh yeah, Leopold and Lieb murder trial. Yes. Yeah, Leopold yeah, the crime of the century. Yeah. That was the, it. The murder him. Is it Bobby Franks? I think. Yeah. There we go. I'm not entirely. Darrow's 12-hour summation at their sentence hearing is noted for its influential criticism of capital punishment. Um, there you go. So. It's funny you should say actually about like. You made the point about people being, you know, fundamentally evil or good. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we sometimes mention books where radio are on this. I'm reading a book at the moment called Humankind. Mm, uh, it's I'm a non-fiction book. And basically the whole premise is that it tries to argue that humans are more good than bad. Wow. Um, that sounds like a book I could do with reading right now in the yeah, genuinely, this year. I'm only about a quarter of the way through, so it could be that it tails off badly. But at the moment, it's very uplifting and enlightening, so... Um, Where if did anyone's... you find this? May I ask, like kind of a random well, recommendation, or no? I, it did the rounds on a lot of newspapers recently because it has a point. Obviously, um, I'm assuming you're familiar with Lord of the Flies mm-hmm, when for sure. British schoolboys get uh, you know stuck on an island. They all turn on each other. And Based, of course, about... on the Simpsons episode Das Bus. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> um, in which uh, they turn on each other, and it basically shows down that. You know, at the end of the day, we're all brutes and civilization is just like a thin veneer. Mm-hmm. But this book, Humankind, was doing the rounds because it actually has a, it's a true story in it, one of the chapters. Um, in the 1960s, a group of schoolboys from, I think, Tonga um, actually got stuck on an island and they were there for seven to eight months. Wow. And they didn't fall out once. They um, One of them broke their leg and the other boys helped him set it and um, and looked after him. They had like rules to make sure they wouldn't fight, and they basically did really, really well for eight months. So it's like the opposite of Lord of the Flies. Is yeah. and wow. and that's basically the whole premise of this book. I mean, it, the book is not about just that. Basically, each chapter has its own little thing going on and mm-hmm. making its own point. But yeah, it's the argument that the idea that humans will just turn on each other very quickly is very much fictional, and the evidence suggests that in times of difficulty, humans actually group together and work together. So. Wow. I found it quite uplifting in these difficult times. So. It's down to it, to be honest. Um, I really don't know where I fall on the on the on the um, on that question about are humans innately good or innately bad because we're very complicated people and it's tough. But I think a book like that is is certainly something we could do with reading in 2020 because it's been a pretty horrendous time for all, and not just because the- of the pandemic, although that it really is the horrible rotten cherry on top. Um, there's been a lot of stuff happening. So, um, yeah, thank you for the recommendation, Kay. I know we talked a few weeks ago about people looking for stuff we were reading. So there you go, humankind. I am reading something way more frivolous, which is The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. Um, oh, I saw like a couple episodes of Netflix on it, and it, it scared I, me, so I stopped watching. I've not watching. watched the Netflix show, actually, but it's meant to be genuinely pretty creepy, but uh, there you go. Do you want to ask me your questions, Kay? And then I will ask you to bring it to a close at Mischief Nights. Yes. Um, I'm going to be honest, I really struggled with questions this week. Mm. <clears throat> I'm glad I didn't have to make any up, actually, because I feel like I'd have struggled too. Okay, so question one. Later. Where have Niles and Frasier taken Martin? Oh. I'm assuming they're either at the basketball or a baseball game. Um, yeah, but before that, they say they list the places that they have taken him. Oh, sorry. It's to the, the Arboretum and the Zen Garden, I think. And there's like, wait, is it possible we've only taken him to one place? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Zen Garden is at the Arboretum. <laughs> such a good line. Because when you hear him mention those two things, your brain immediately goes, hang on, those two are very similar. Like, even if they are separate. But yeah, great gag. <laughs> okay. Um, absolutely correct, Will. So, second question. Hmm. How tall was Helen? 
Oh, yeah, this flags for me because he says Helen was tall and then he says her height. And I remember thinking, that's not that tall, but maybe for an average height of a woman it is. It still didn't sound that tall to me, for even for a woman. Um, I have a feeling she was five... Oh, five, six. Oh, well, I thought you were going to get it. It's seven. five foot seven, I oh, think. Oh, one foot out, man. Can you believe it? I knew it was six, seven or I think, eight. I think you're actually an inch out, aren't you? That's what did I say, a foot? <laughs> you said I'm a foot out. <laughs> that would have been wrong. Yeah, I'm an inch out. But yeah, there you go. I, I, five foot seven, is is that like particularly tall for a woman? I don't know. I don't know what the I average don't know. I don't know the average height of a woman, but it doesn't sound that tall. It doesn't. It certainly wouldn't be like, oh, wow, she's really tall. I, yeah, I don't think you know, I'd a lot, be taken you know girls women whatever you know across the years of university who i've known in school they've all been fairly tall so you know taller than that so i don't know maybe i've just got a really bad um sent you know what's the word kind of data group to go on but there you are in fairness i don't think i'd be able to work out how tall someone is i'm just like i am about six foot so you're either shorter than me or you're taller than me but <laughs> you, you just make everything in because we use 30 centimeter rollers in school <laughs> yes. like, how many 30 centimeter rollers tall are you <laughs> yeah. honestly when it's like oh you've got to keep two meters from someone there's me with like 30 centimeter rollers on the street honestly <laughs> when people mention like a foot or something i'm just picturing a foot long from subway and i'm like how many meatball subs <laughs> you know is that um yeah weird okay and my third and final question right on, and i phrased this badly but mm. um what information does niles request from bulldog oh so i phrased it badly because he doesn't necessarily request it of him but he asks why he can't find out the information i know what you i know what you want um I can't remember the specific wording, though. It, 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 it's something to the effect of why do none of the major newspapers hold the Ivy League squash rankings or something? Um, I don't know if he says major newspapers, but all, basically he wants no Ivy League squash standings. Yes, that's bang on. I've got oh, Ivy League right. squash standings there in the answer. Go, which so. is just amazing. Um, I've, oh, have you ever played squash? No, I don't understand it. I don't understand the rules. I have I... played it a few times. I don't really like it. And I I, mean, I love tennis and badminton and will play them till the cows come home. Squash is a completely different ballpark, no pun intended. And also famously absolutely destroys your quads because you're like always in a kind of half crouch position. And if you, yeah, basically if you've never played anything like that or don't have particularly athletic legs and then played a game of squash, I'm not exaggerating. You wouldn't be able to walk the next day. It's uh, it's insane. But there my, you go. my thinking with squash is that you have to hit the ball against the wall and it can't bounce twice. Uh, that yeah, basically that's it. You you got but like do um, you have to hit it in a certain place? Because I know there's a line, but yeah, I don't know what that line means. There's, there's two lines. Um, I think for serving you have to hit it between them, between the lines. But um, when playing normally, it, it just can't go below the bottom line, and you can smack it off the side wall as long as it goes off the side wall and then lands in a in a legal position on the main wall. Um, but yeah, it can't bounce. It can't bounce more than once, and you obviously you can't hit it off the floor onto the wall. But that's about it. But it's just the fact that you're kind of running around each other and it's like, it's kind of impossible not to obstruct the other person. Um, you kind of have to hit the ball and then just stand still so that they don't run into you. But then you've also got to be in transit again because their shot's already off and it's flying on the other side of the court. So, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. I don't think it, it's not quite my thing, but there you go. We'll have to have a game sometime, Key, when that's allowed. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll try. I feel we'll like try. getting in a squash court now. It's just like hot boxing with the virus. <laughs> not, not a great idea. Um, okay, so Mischief Knight's questions this week. Uh, question numero uno. According to Daphne, 
this case has it all. What are the seven... Oh, this is a hard question. What are the seven components that make up it all? Oh, okay. So, I was going to have this as a question, and I've missed... I, I, I didn't get the last one. I only got six, so oh, I will get six. Well, I'm going to give you the point for six, if you can give me that. I think that. it's sex, greed, jealousy, revenge, a monkey... Excuse me? Hate, <laughs> <laughs> hatred. Yes. Do I don't know what the last one is. A stab at the other one. Um, I will give you a clue. It, this isn't this isn't a clue. This isn't a really easy clue, but it's not super hard either. Um, it's in the ver- it's in the title of a famous Dan Brown book who wrote the Da Vinci Code. Um, he's kind of famous, I would say, for five to seven novels, and it's in the title of one of them. If you See, are familiar. you said Dan Brown, and I instantly went to the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, I, I had to use that as an example. Cause it's not it had everything: monkey, a hatred, Da Vinci. <laughs> that's that's I mean, there was wasn't there a sequel called Angels and Demons? There was. Is it demons? It's a not. Demon? It's a bit a decent answer. It's something a demon might do. It's deception. Deception. Oh, okay. And the book is Deception Point, and it's terrible. Um, so don't <laughs> read it. Um, but there you go. Okay. Well played. Six out of seven. You've definitely earned the point there. Question two: How many of the derelicts are in uniform? I don't know when this is. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't oh I don't god. Know the context of this question. Let me. Let me. Google derelict. Derelicts are in uniform. Um, um, oh, okay. That's it. Um. Frank says, if you don't believe me, Marty, why don't you ask these derelicts, as in he's joking about his friends. Oh, all the people. And then all of the cops the come in. Only some of them are in uniform. How many are in uniform? Great question from Corey. We're just being really oh, slow this morning. Um, How many derelicts are in uniform? Oh, God, this is going to be a stab in the dark. I actually think there's quite a few in uniform. That, um, But I think they might all be at the front and the ones at the back aren't in uniform, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe it's <clears throat> maybe three or four. Um. I'm going to say four. Oh, half it, baby. You're looking at two. Oh, two. Two people. There you go. In uniform. Great question, Corey. We're just being very slow on the uptake there. And finally, to see a very long edition of Trivia Corner this week. We're currently at about 20 plus minutes. <laughs> um, so probably a lot of tangents at the beginning there. So hopefully you people are still listening out there. What lifelong passion of Frasier's does he claim inspired him to posture his version of the murder? Oh, I think I know, as I say, because I was reading about Jay Goodall the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure, does he say like the Ru- Rwandan gorilla? He does, or... the Rwandan lowland gorilla. Um, but I mean, you've you've definitely earned the point there, Kate. Wow, Blyde. Um, the Rwandan load, lowland gorilla. Excellent, excellent stuff. So thank you so much, Hamish and Corey, for your questions. And of course, Key, yours for me as well. Um, it's moving swiftly out of a very bumper edition of Trivia <laughs> Corner there. Um, excellent questions. The animation key, can you tell me what that was, please? Well, I didn't think there was any animation. No, there wasn't. And you know <laughs> my thoughts about no animation. Why, oh, why would, uh, would they choose to do this? Uh, I genuinely want to know from listeners what your theory is. Um, so please write in, because I don't get it. Um, makes no sense to me. Why would you choose to not have one? But we'll move on. Frasier is looking out at the balcony. He's looking out at the, the city at night. He's elegizing Saturday night. Um, and here at Shea Crane, you know, my father and his living healthcare worker looking over pictures of a dead hooker. Um, hooker is not really a word that's used anymore, is it? I think we've had a big shift in kind of sex workers um, to a kind of far more positive attitude. So it's kind of alarming to hear Frasier. I mean, people probably still use that word and it's still in comedy, but just hearing Frasier say that word seems really incongruous to me. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's something I didn't necessarily pick up on. But yeah, you're very correct. I don't think... I've, I can't remember the last time I knew, heard anyone actually use the phrase hooker. No, it's, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's it's a funny one. I think I think social mores have, have kind of shifted a lot on that, in particularly in the, like, the last 10 years or so, um, which isn't to say, you know, oh, Fraser is so unprogressive for using that word. That's not what we're saying. It's just, it's interesting to hear that word, especially from someone like Fraser. He's probably, I think, I feel like he says that word a few times across the course of the show. Um I'm trying to think of where, maybe the episode where he's trying to be the good Samaritan and he actually does pick up a prostitute um, is is funny. You know, I think that word probably gets used there. It's a rare time. It's a rare Saturday night where Frasier doesn't have any plans, though it's not explained why. Do you possibly have any reasons, Keith, for why Frasier's not out on the town? Because he's always got a symphony or an opera to go to. What's the deal no, I here? Think, I think Niles has bailed on him. You reckon? Yeah, I think Niles has, has, uh, has got better options available and has bailed. Wow, maybe he's playing like squash with one of his Ivy League friends and he's just, you know, a weird time to play on a Saturday night, but there you go. Um, it's, yeah, it's weird to see Frazier kind of just lounging about the house. Um, not really something he's, he's kind of want to do. Interesting, like, the funny bit here where Frazier's, you know, trying to coax Martin to go and do something. He's obviously so bored, you know, let's go see a movie. Again, not something I can ever see Frazier doing. The way he says, you know, let's get tattooed. One, a really weird suggestion. But the way John Mahoney kind of goes, hmm, I kind of like <laughs> frowns as if to say, is, is the joke here that he's just not listening at all or he's actually com- contemplating a tattoo? Like, because it's funny in both ways. I don't quite know how I, how I read it. I feel like Martin is contemplating a tattoo. You're right. Think, what would they get? Thinks, the crane boys? I mean, they could just get a, a crane on each oh, arm or something. That would be, I mean, bird, bird or apparatus. Um, I was going with bird, but yeah, if you want the apparatus, <laughs> I think I'm feeling apparatus personally. <laughs> it look far less poetic on on somebody's skin, but there you go. Um, sorry, I, you, I interrupted you. Carry on. I was going to say is I, I'm just a bit. I'm kicking myself because that actually was something I was going to have as a um, as a trivia question. What three things does Fraser suggest? Oh, I can't remember the middle one. I said the two. Then um, what's the middle pizza one? Pizza was the other one. Pizza. There you go. Yeah, I mean, let's go get a pizza. perfect Saturday night movie. Pizza and a tattoo. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that? Um, I'm trying to think. Actually, the few times we see Fraser eat pizza in the show, again, not really a meal that he's he's kind of you know something he has all the time, but he definitely does eat it. Particularly, I think in like Good Grief and those episodes where he's uh He's been fired and he's kind of binge eating because he's particularly depressed. Yeah, and he looks all grungy. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah. Um, he probably eats pizza at some point there. So he's about to take Eddie out for a walk. Well, you know, he doesn't want to, but Eddie comes a running when he's about to leave. Martin says he likes the rhododendrons on the north side of the park. And this struck me because this is something that always happens in the US, but really doesn't in the UK. We hardly ever refer to things in kind of the physical orientation by compass points do you know what i mean like if, if you say like for example in the town that we live if you were to say like oh yeah in south x it would be really weird but if you say oh at the bottom of x or at the top of x that makes sense to us like the bottom would be south and the top would be north or whatever um, Dude, i i actually think where we're from it's the other way around. I'm sure there's some like weird quirk that the top of the town is actually the south. Yeah, vote- uh, yeah I think for voting purposes, like it's technically split into like two areas, isn't it? Like for like I think council elections and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I know you're you're completely spot on because I only learned this a few years ago, and it kind of it, it jarred with me as <clears> well. You just assume because of the incline, the top would be north, the bottom would be south, but it is the other way around. Um, for sure. So that's, I have weird... no inbuilt compass at all. No, so if you say to me, um, you know, which way right here from where you're looking is north, 
Mm. I would just guess that straight in front of me is north because I've got no idea. To be brutally honest, I don't think anyone would be able to tell you. I mean, other than looking at the sun, you have like no other possible way of knowing. Um, and if it's like a day like today where it's almost like there is no sun, it's that overcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, loads of geese have been flying over my house recently and they make so much noise. Like, obviously, they're all going south for the winter. But we have a weather vane on the, um, the, the shed next door. And they're not flying south. They're like heading east. I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> You're heading in the wrong direction. Um, but they make so much bloody noise. Like I'm just trying to read or whatever, and I just hear them screaming as they go overhead. So there you go. Um, after this, we're back in KSVL, and Fraser's talking to. Can you tell me who? Kay? He's talking to Marjorie. Do you know who voices Marjorie? Oh, I don't. I feel like I she's got quite a the voice. distinctive voice. Yeah. Can you maybe. Well, I know her name. I don't know if you'll know her name, but you'll definitely know the actress. You'll know, I think, some of the things can she's been in. you possibly tell me something she's been in, and I can try and put two and um, three together? I don't know if you'll actually have seen her, but I know mm. we discussed the proposal recently. She oh, was in she, the proposal. She's in that. Damn. No, that doesn't help me. <laughs> um, possibly anything <laughs> else she's been in? She, um, she was in a film called The Book Club, which I really liked. Hmm. You've seen some good, seen some films in your time, Kay, haven't you? You really surprised me with your film watching. Um, um, I've never heard of She, um, oh, it's actually it's really good. It's about four like women who are, I think about fifty to sixty, mm -hmm. and they decide for their book club of the, for their book of the month for their book club. They're going to read Fifty Shades of Grey. Wow. And um, it changes their lives. That sounds <laughs> really good. Uh, it's really funny it is, and kind it is of really light good. And, it's, yeah. It's got like really a real all star cast. It's uh, Candice Bergman, um, Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda. Jeez. This woman is, is one of the others. Very big hitters there. Very big um, hitters. She was also in Elf. I think you might have seen Elf. Oh, what does she play? Like his mom, maybe? Yeah, she does. Yeah. Oh, I know her face completely. Um,. I think she was also in the film, if I remember correctly, Last Vegas with um, De Niro, Morgan Freeman. Wow. I have not seen that. Oh, um, it's a good film. Recommend it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to tell me her name, mate. Uh, Mary... <clears throat> sorry, Mary Steenbergen. Mary Steenbergen. There we go. I, I, can, I can see her from Elf, but the, the voice doesn't, doesn't match up to me at all. I can't remember her speaking in the film, but... Um, actually, really funny. I think her her call here, particularly the second scream, and she's like the, yeah, the check I just, looked just at the came. Bill. It's actually, yeah, the, I just looked at the bill. Um, I actually, I, I, I could have looked this up, and I should have because, as usual, I'm being very lazy. But I feel like the restaurant at the top of the Space Needle um, isn't isn't what isn't open anymore, or maybe closed down for a big time. Um, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to Google it now at the top of the space. Because you know, it'd be really cool to, to sit there. You know, it, it, it did revolve. I think it's called Sky City. Um, let me just have a look now. I know. I think, I it, I think it's it is open. very expensive, though, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, if you actually Google Google image it, it looks awesome. Um, like, the, the views are amazing, predictably. Um, fairly certain. I didn't know that. The floor is glass as well. So, you're, like, you're kind of walking on, on you know, it would be terrifying to eat up there, but there you go. Um, but I think I think I'll probably pull that out of my ass that it's closed. Maybe it shook for a like big refurb or something um, when I last looked. But you know, if we ever go to Seattle, key, we should try and follow Marjorie's footsteps and go there. Um, yeah, my bullet point here was just I wonder how expensive it is at the top of the space needle. But 
there we go. Um, some Bulldog classics here. Bulldog coming in. Weird to you that Bulldog and Roz are on friendly terms again already because we're only one episode away. Oh, no. Yeah, last episode was Roz in the Dark House, wasn't it? Where things got very weird very fast between them. It's just classic sitcom fashion. They're completely fine again. Yeah, it's a bit like last week never happened and it it's is. just completely skipped over. And I don't think... Because I think in places last week, we actually see a bit of growth in Bulldog. That mm -hmm. For most of the episode, he really appreciates Roz and her value as, as a producer. Um, whereas this week, he's just right back to being the misogynistic um, <laughs> guy that he is. He is. Um, and yeah, he, just, he does feel a bit like last week never happened, to be honest. It, yeah, it's, it's funny how sitcoms get away with this because I previously probably wouldn't have ever, you know, pulled up on this. But because we're reviewing them and getting in depth about them and obviously this was only a week ago now whereas previously i might have watched the episodes separate times to one another not back to back because i might have been doing a random rewatch um yeah i maybe i've only just picked up on it in particular this time around but it is it is funny how we just kind of let that let that wash and just think you know it's it's the sitcom world these things happen but um this is the moment where Roz mentions she has season tickets and i mentioned a couple of weeks ago in a, in a separate fraser podcast um i can't remember which one it is um it might be will and jace i'm not sure but they in one of the episodes i listened to of theirs they um they mention the fact that would Ross be able to afford season tickets at this point? Because I don't know how much they would have been in the 90s compared to now. Uh, is it for the Seahawks or is it for the Sonics? Or can you remember? What I, I think it's the um, the Sonics. The Sonics. So, yeah, probably... I think the match is the Sonics versus the Knicks, I think. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. She does mention the Knicks. So there you go. I, I'm not sure which. I would hedge a bet that the NFL is more expensive, though they're all really popular, obviously, in the US. Um would Roz, you know, be able to afford a season ticket? You know, she doesn't. She doesn't come across like she makes crap loads from a KSEL, and it seems like it would be a very expensive um, thing. And also, she just genuinely doesn't seem like she's into sport enough to warrant season tickets. Maybe like the odd game, but I don't. I don't know. Other than last week with her surprising, you know, relationship with Bulldog, it, I don't really see Roz as a sports fan. Do you? I don't know. I mean, I also don't know if there's a part of it that she goes there to meet guys because I know yeah, previously she said about the back of her head. And, yeah. You know, um, that sort of thing. <laughs> I, don't, I think she might be able to afford season tickets, especially just, I mean, the only thing we really have to compare to over here is football, really, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. and, like, and certainly in football in this country, you can pay over the course of like, like several months, can't you? You can do like X yeah, amount I'm each month. And stuff, yeah. Um, and I imagine there must be, you know, she's not necessarily getting court side tickets, but somewhere up in maybe the rafters, maybe. But yeah, maybe, so maybe. I think it's probably, I'm probably being doing a disservice to her income here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, also, there's one other point. It's just, I wonder how good money she's actually on. I mean, because obviously we often think of her as like very, you know, maybe a lot more working class, for instance, than Frasier. But for sure, is that because we're just comparing her to a guy who's on a 300 grand a year salary or whatever? Mm. And... Um, not to the, the average Joe. Yeah, everyone seems poor compared to Frasier. That's a good point. You know, I, I, I think it's being a producer on a show as popular as Frasier's, you know, it's on billboards and on the sides of buses. It's got. It's not like she's just producing, you know, some amateur local radio. She's clearly got a lot of responsibility there. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't like to say because I just, you know, it can be a bit 
controversial talking money, but I oh, no, it's I reckon she's probably screw it. I reckon she's probably on about, you know, fit maybe fifty, sixty thousand dollars, maybe even a bit more than that a year, um, for producing, or do you reckon even more than that? What do you reckon? Um I really don't know what a producer would earn, so I've kind of got no ballpark here. I'll probably get no, replied could... saying, Oh no, she's probably on like ten grand a year. <laughs> No, I think you could be about right. My first thought, I thought she'd be on like 30 to 40 grand. But mm -hmm. if once you factor in the exchange rate, because yeah. I was thinking in pounds, I, I think you're in the right ballpark. Yeah, my, I think like 30 instinct. to 40 grand our money is probably close to like 50, 55. Yeah, certainly in the 90s at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nowadays. The last couple of years, not so <laughs> much. taking a big hit. But yeah, the 90s, the exchange rate was mad. Um, it was really, The pound was really <laughs> strong. So there you go. Um I love Bulldog's response. He's like, whoa, another one just like you. <laughs> and Niles does his little uh, Ivy League squash standings quote, which we already talked about. They want to go to a restaurant now, okay, called Le Cochon Noir. Can you tell me what that translates to in French? No, at least noir not. Does noir mean black? It does, and I'm fairly certain you'll know what le means. So you've just got to do a bit of yeah. deducing. It does mean the. So it's it's the... it, uh, colors oh. often follow the the noun in French. So it, it's basically the yeah. black something, not the something black. Um, okay. Um, black something. I'll give I have you no idea what cochon means. It's an animal. It's the black hawk. The black. Oh, good. That sounds cool, doesn't it? It's the black pig. Le cochon noir. Oh, the black hawk. To be honest with you. <laughs> to be honest, both sound kind of unappealing. Somewhere to go and eat food. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm fairly certain cochon is big. I've, I've, looked, I've looked this up before, but I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna Google it. Oh, hang on. Am I completely wrong here? Oh no, it is. It is pig. Oh, <laughs> black pigs. So there you go. Um, they often do this sort of kind of playfulness with French restaurant names, as obviously with Le Cigar Volant, the flying cigar. You know, Fraser talks here about the uh, the ultimate male bonding session. You know, taking taking Dad to the uh, where do they? Is it the NBA? Do they take him to basketball? We talked about this at the beginning, but your question was different than what I intended. Is that where they take him now? Yeah, they've previously taken him to the Arboretum and the Zen Garden, but technically they're actually at the same place. Of course. <laughs> so they take him to see the Sonics and the Knicks. They do. Um, yeah, the which, yeah, that's NBA, I think. Is it National Basketball Association, I think? Yes, yes. Oh, yes, they say they take the tickets from... from, from... Does, the, does Bulldog give them to run? No, he leaves them on the side. I think they just take them. I think what? I think really Fraser just weird. steals the tickets. Yeah, really strange. I'm hopefully he got remunerated for that. Um, I don't know, but yeah, Fraser calls it the ultimate male bonding session. You know, going to the sports with your father or brother or whatever. You know, it probably is is, is like that. Um, I can. I, can I mean, Niall suggests going to the woods and killing something. So. That's even funnier. Um, I really like that gag, and you know, it kind of reminds me of when they're playing the piano. He's like, "This is really what guys do, isn't it? Like this and some outdoors stuff." When Martin <laughs> says that, that's what I imagine. Like them stalking a deer in full kind of camo in the woods i love Nas's comment when he's scouting out the fire exits it quote in case of fire or urban unrest i mean <laughs> there is nothing funnier than the idea of of Nas being scared of urban unrest like it's the ultimate like classist joke um which i just think is phenomenal it's one of the lines of this show uh, this episode i think um just a quick one. Martin's beer comes, has a lid, and seems to be in a polystyrene cup. What do you make of a beer beer drink having a lid like this, Ski? Did this not just think, what the hell's going on here? It's, um, 
Yeah, I, it's where all the drinks are a bit. Oh my god, what are they drinking? What did the um, other dude get? I can't remember. Oh, a box. They get two glasses of wine. The um, box, especially. <laughs> it must be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, the, the lids on those things. I never quite get them. What they're, what the point of them is? Because if that thing falls over, it's leaking everywhere. It's a bit like you know a McDonald's drink with the, the little lid on. It doesn't keep the fluid in. It's more like yeah, the lid is pointless. Knocked or something, isn't it? I don't know. The lid is pointless. And I know in, in this country, we're not allowed lids in football. Often we, we have to hand... I've, I've often been asked like to... I just get given, like, if I have like a, a bottle of something at the football, I get it given it without the lid. That's right, yeah. If you buy like a bottle of Coke here, they will take the, the cap because, unfortunately, um, a very, you know, a minority of fans have used thing, things as missiles in, in games and, and bottle caps can be a real real you know when one of those is flying down the terrace at you and smacks you off the on, on the face it's gonna hurt um so yeah stuff like that happens at, at our, our places um i mean i tend not to drink there anyway because of my already discussed tiny bladder i yeah, have, no, see when i, I, I don't anymore because oh, toilets at a football game are not not good they're, they're not, not good they're not nice and two the line is inevitably huge so when you go at half time man it is it's a mistake if you can have anything yeah go before the game yeah yeah if you go in one of those in the winter this is so graphic and horrible but you go in in the winter and there is just like steam in the air um because of the the temperature difference shall we say um (laughs) and it is horrible it's like walking through the swamps of you know i don't even know where so yeah, for sure. I mean, speaking of bladder control, <laughs> not Niles talks about the toilet situation. Is what about my shy kidneys, um, which is excellent. Not a problem I have. I've got extroverted kidneys, I think. <laughs> but weirdly, he mentions on my on Fraser Crane's day off that he has excellent bladder control. Famously, because we talked about it on the podcast, so he's got excellent bladder control, but shy kidneys. Um, is it possible to have both? Do we think? Um. um... Something. I don't know. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, the, the biologists who listen to, to texting about, I think. Uh, um, yeah. Well, <laughs> if anyone indeed knows anything about kidneys or bladder. Niles throwing the peanuts back is hilarious. Question for you. You might know, Key. Are they free in the US when they do this? When they're going peanuts and they're chucking them at people? Are they, are they literally for free? Because you well, never, can't, they can't be for free, can you, they? You never see people giving them money. And if they're throwing them over, like, you know, rows and aisles, how are they expected to remember who got them and to get payment? I don't understand the logistics of this at all the part of me i always thought a part of this was just tv i don't know if they actually because if you threw peanuts at someone and they hit someone that is a lawsuit waiting to happen and america is quite a litigious place it is i think you i think maybe you're waiting for someone to you know to to invite the throw and they're thus hopefully absolving you of any blame should it smack them clean in the eye um but yeah, I mean, I just don't, I don't get this. Nothing is free, uh, you know, in a, in an English sport venue. Everything is hiked up to the to the max. You know, pork scratchings are kind of the common one. Get your pork scratchings. The guy shouts outside Villa Park every Saturday afternoon. <laughs> For uh, a second, then I thought you were in the ground and someone was chucking pork scratchings at yourself. Where have you been awesome. sitting? That's never happened to me. That would be great. But yeah, we don't have anything like that in in English venues. Um, people going around chucking your peanuts, though. God, sometimes I wish we did. That would be excellent. And you. Were- 
Fulham, are you a fan of basketball? Well, I meant, meant to ask. Really good question because I've always wanted to get into it. Um, a lot of American sport I've wanted to get into. The NFL is a write-off for me. It is just it stops after two minutes every time. Um, I can't watch the NFL. Um, I know there's a lot of fans listening, and I completely get why you love it. Um, I'm not dissing the sport, it's just not for me. Um, but NBA, it's so fast-paced and quick. It just really strikes me as something I'd love to watch. But the, the games are always on at stupid times. Um, like they're on at two in the morning, one in the morning. I can't watch it regularly enough to become a fan, but it's a sport I really want to like. Um, what about you? See, I, I, I've seen like one NBA game just on telly, mm. and I'm generally not a fan. Like it, it's too fast-paced for me. It is a because, bit like what they score, then they've scored, then they've scored. Yeah, it's good. It's where, and I think sport. that's true of quite a lot of American sports. Whereas oh, what oh. I love about you know English sports generally is that. You can really save, or say, a goal because it, there's a build-up to it. And it's, it's a it's a big event, a goal. Whereas you can't celebrate, I think, in basketball because oh, we got a basket. Oh, but they did too. Oh, we got oh, they did too. And yeah, it's too fast-paced for me. That's why I don't. I'm not a huge fan. I, I know completely what you mean. Um, and it, in English football, a game with like more than three goals is particularly novel. I would say up until this season, where yeah, all, all rules have gone out the window. Every game has like five goals in it. Um, but yeah, you're completely right. Football's been going for what 150, 200 years in terms of like leagues um, here, and it's like um, it is it is that case of a goal is still a huge event. Um, and it still carries that kind of mythology around how great a celebrating a goal is, and and yeah, it's and watching it back. So it's it's interesting that the departure there from English and American sports, maybe. But I mean, I I, I love Americans' relationship with sport. Um, I love the kind of the fandom, and obviously we have it over here, but it's all a little. It, it's less. I don't know. We have there's obviously like a bad history in the in, in the UK in you know, terms of hooliganism as well and um, it, it's all very associated with violence and things not so much now but um, you know now it's kind of like it's normal but um, yeah there's just something about the, the furore of, of like the Super Bowl and stuff and like how it's a big event in America and people come around to each other's homes and it's almost like a little festive Christmas day for them but sports related which I really like we don't really have that with any particular maybe like the FA Cup final pubs will put extra food on and stuff that's what my local does but that's the closest we have to the Super Bowl obviously it's nowhere near as big um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. I really I'm really into the the whole US UK kind of sport debate. Be very interested to hear. Um, actually, Corey sent me a picture, and I put this on the Twitter. I think he was playing Madden um, on on Xbox or PS PS Five or whatever is out. Um, and he set up a new franchise, and the owner was Kennedy Burling of his, uh, <laughs> his franchise. So there you go. Um, we managed to bring that tangent back to, to Frazier and to Corey. Um, I love Nas's line here. What's the score? West Side Story. That is yeah. unbelievable writing. And Nas starts doing his little clicking his fingers. He's got those stupid yellow headphones on. Um, just an amazing line. Um, after they have been to their meal, which we never get to see at La Cochon Noir, they they come back and they talk about it. I can't actually remember what the thing is they're picking apart, but the amazing line, you know, what's the one thing better than exquisite meal? An exquisite meal with one tiny floor that we can pick out all night and then Niles to impossible standards. The way he says that, he sounds a lot like Rodney, you know, the guy from Mixed Doubles who Daphne dates, um, who looks just like him. Kind of weird yeah. because it's very uncanny that he sounds just like him, but can you remember what the, the floor was they're picking at? Did they... Mention a floor. They they do. Did they specify that, that. That's why Frasier 
Let me let me get the script up here. Um, here we go. Here we go. It was an exquisite meal marred only by the lack of even one outstanding cognac on their cart de digestif. Digestif, the French, I don't know, you know, the, the, the after dinner thing um, where you usually have cheese and biscuits or whatever. Um, so there was no cognac on there. That's the tiny floor that they pick at. Um, are you in agreement, Key? Would you prefer a tiny floor to pick at or oh, would I would. You prefer an exquisite meal? Oh, no, I love a tiny floor. Really? I love I like to complain, generally, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a Victor Maldrew, one foot in the grave kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, if you go home and you're like, oh, yeah, this was amazing, this was amazing, this was amazing, everyone's like, yeah, that's really good, that's nice. There's nothing else. Well, it was really about. good, but this is how they could do better. <laughs> <And> everyone <laughs> pays attention. Man, I bet restaurants was quaking their boots and you were like, oh, God, it's him. <laughs> it's the, uh, the axe of the food critic world come to chop us up. I just have a vision of me in my own, like, you know, knife and fork, just walking in, twiddling <laughs> it in my um, Really, I'm not going to go on a tangent here, don't worry, listeners. Just a really interesting coincidence that um, there's, a, there's a famous game that came out on the PS3 called Heavy Rain. Some listeners might have played it because we've had some interaction from people who do play video games. Heavy Rain was like a... It's a really heavy story-based game where it's almost like you're playing as the characters, but you choose decisions and there's quick-time events. It's not so much a game with gameplay, in quote marks. It's all about a, a killer called the Origami Killer, and you play as a bunch of characters trying to work out an unsolved mystery and murder. Very much like this episode. It turns out, huge spoiler for those who haven't played Heavy Rain, it turns out one of the main characters, Detective Shelby, is the killer. Um... And I just thought that was an amazing coincidence. I'm almost certain his name is Shelby. Um, you, um, you feel free to fact check that, uh, listeners, but I'm 99.9% certain that's his name. It's a really weird coincidence. And obviously, Heavy Rain came out 2008, eight nine, so way after um, after this episode. I wonder, it seems a complete coincidence to me. There's no way it can be a reference to Frasier. But really, yeah, a really strange coincidence nonetheless. But Detective Shelby, there you go. Um Niles mentions he went to Vegas in college. What do you make of this? Because this, I was just like, what? It's a weird one. Given that we know that Niles does not like Vegas, because he, he says not. to Lilith previously how um, it's the most like tacky institution in the world or something like that. Absolutely. Um, so it is a strange one. But, and you know, did he go on his own? Did he go with a group of people? Like, I, I want to see, you know, Teenage Niles in Vegas. That's that's the spin-off I want to see. That would be one a hell of an episode. I mean, was he in a fraternity? We know Frasier was, and that's the kind of thing a frat would do. Um, so it, I'd never, ever seem to recall Niles talking about being in fraternity. And given he is the more socially awkward of the two of them, he's far less socially mobile than Frasier is, it seems harder for him to have integrated into that kind of college community life. But going to Vegas is a very you know demonstrable act of like super sociable college living you know let's go get drunk let's go gamble or whatever so it's a weird one for me i can't imagine him, him there at all but you know he's it's a bit of a throwaway line but it really made me pause there i like a couple of weeks ago or yeah two weeks ago for seat of power gave you my favorite line of the show from danny creasel i am fairly confident if not second this is in definitely in the top 10 now when fraser goes not Daphne Niles. I present you with the killer. And then shows the picture of the monkey. I've seen this image out of context so many times. Like someone's just put, you know, like 
Twin Peaks, like you know, like you know, when people like call something the wrong thing on purpose as a joke. Twin Peaks, obviously, being a really weird David Lynch TV show about you know supernatural happenings in a Pacific Northwest town, not far from Seattle, actually. Um, it's just it's the kind of thing David Lynch would pull, like a monkey being the killer. Um, I just love the way the three of them think they've cracked it here, and it's like, oh yes, but you were standing very close by when I when I made the decision. I mean, I love I love this here. I love Nas's delivery of it's not so very far fetched. <laughs> yeah, is he drunk at this point? That's my next bullet point. Is are we meant to think he's drunk? He's got like his finger in the air. He's it's just it's a, it's I honestly it's I think it's a really really funny delivery of how yeah, he, it's, how he it's does not it. so very far. Eventually, <laughs> he sounds drunk to me. Like I don't. Yeah, he must be. Um, but it, the whole interaction here is excellent. Um, I, I I like the fact they want Martin to come to the same conclusion on his own merit. You know, so they it's kind of nice that they think to do that because in, in I could easily see this episode of the two of them having um convinced martin you know the other way kind of going to him directly and being you know oh dad this is it and then then at the end suddenly feeling great remorse that they robbed him of it obviously that's not how the episode pans out because it's far funnier the way they do it um and they need to not talk to martin because otherwise he would shoot down their ridiculous theory that the monkey did it um but fraser's face is amazing as martin starts discovering the secret and he's like yes and he's just kind of like raising his eyebrows but i mean do you believe that Martin would have suddenly seen it as as quickly as he does in this? Because they really have to, like, in 10 seconds, have Martin go from, here's a case he's never been able to solve for 20 years, here's a case he solved in 10 seconds because we moved a few photos around. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's weird for me. I, I, don't, I don't know, do people really have just, like, those light bulb moments when, like, oh, my God, this is it? I don't... They're rare, Personally, aren't they? I can't think of time, many times they've happened to me. Yeah, but obviously my thought process is all like, actually, I think it might be this, but I'll have to go and check this, 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 and this first, and maybe then it could work. Mm, yeah, like, it's. I'm very indecisive like that. I need to, like, kind of think things through analytically and, um, yeah, kind of light bulb spur of the moment, things like that. It's Credit to Martin, he was obviously a very good detective. Um, he's still got it, as Frank says, um, at the end of the episode. Also great to see Frank again. Um Obviously, that's it's great. I've missed Frank. You know, missed Frank. His, what was it that Fraser said about him? In the last... It's like his uh, his poor grass, poor literary skills. I was like, oafishness. I can't remember. It's just so offensive to Frank. Uh, um, Niles, really weird delivery again from Niles here. Speaking of his deliveries of lines. He says goodnight, Daphne, in a really like desperate way, and there's like no laugh track either. He kind of says goodnight, Daphne, and like he kind of like stands up really imperiously, and, and like it really focuses on her, him watching her leave the room. Obviously meant to be like, oh, there's a look of longing or whatever, but it's just the delivery's weird. Like there's no laugh track, which I feel like there should be just to make it a bit less weird. Um, did you kind of see that delivery at all, or is that just kind of me picking up on something a bit odd? Not necessarily that delivery, but earlier on when they're all sat around Frasier, I think, oh, I think I know what you're um, going to say, and Daphne is sat at the table looking at the pictures. Niles is like. Very, he's, he's pretty much like his head is almost buried in a hair. He is doing the smelling again, isn't he? And it's like, um, I know we have listeners that think this is really sweet and lovely, because yeah, obviously ultimately their relationship arc is. But there are moments where it's a bit weird, and this is one of them. It's not played for laughs. No, it? so no, it is, no, no it's, laugh track again. It's very, very intense. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It you know, so. I think that's what I think that's a great word. And I think that's exactly how I describe him saying goodnight. It's like the room goes quiet and it's like really obvious. And yeah, intense is spot on. Daphne saying, You're, I haven't seen your father since he knocked me up early this morning. 
is that a British saying? Not okay, let's be clear. This is not a British no, saying. I've, I've never, never heard that in my life. Um, ever heard anyone use the phrase "knocked up" to describe getting up? I've always <laughs> heard it in the in the what is described in this episode is the American definition as getting someone pregnant. You know, yeah. it's not it's not a very nice phrase, and I don't. It's not used by people I know because you know. Hopefully, the people in my life would be a bit more respectful of someone who's pregnant. But yeah, I, it's only I've only ever heard it in that context, and never ever describe. Um, I've heard it heard it briefly, like when when kids were younger, and you, know, you used to play out on the street before your friends lived on the same street. And it's like if you knock on for someone, um, like are oh, you going to go knock on for key? And I go, oh yeah, you know, let's go, let's go knock on for key, and it just means let's knock his door. Oh, key, you're coming out to play, kind of thing. Which I kind of, I never got to do that as a kid because no one. We obviously went to a different school. We went to the same one, but we all lived in different towns or whatever. So when we got home, no one was around. Um, whereas my brother, all the people that he went to school with, lived in the village. So he was always out playing and stuff. And it's like you know, that's the proper. I always, I think it was like the American childhood, you know, playing in suburbia and stuff, but I never got to do that. But yeah, that was a massive tangent from, uh, <laughs> from knocked me up early this morning. But yeah, not a British saying, is it? No, I've never heard it. Like, in fairness, I don't think I've ever heard many people in, in this country say, you know, knocked me up to mean pregnancy. Um, it's not common, is it? No. I, weirdly enough, I know a lot of people who say in the family way. Oh, she's in the family way. Well, I've, I've heard that very rarely, but I've heard it. Um, but yeah, not commonly. So there you go. That's a much nicer, much nicer phrase um, than knocked up, which is so visceral. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't uh, it? The great delivery from Martin here, and he's like, um, you know, Dad, do you want to know the secret or whatever? I can't remember what Fraser says to Martin. And he's like, what? You killed her? Like the delivery of that line. <laughs> it was, reminds me of... Um, <laughs> The episode way on in the series where they think they found that skull of the guy's wife under their old home. And he's like, I bet you didn't think we'd dig up your wife, did you? <laughs> like, no! <laughs> the way they say that. That is what this line reminds me of. Um, but yeah, just it's great delivery from Martin um, at this point. And then Frank returns uh, with his with his gang of derelicts to uh, to celebrate with Marty. Um, and we have just another moment of Frazier being really elitist and just massive pompous goon in the kitchen. Oh, that's suede. <laughs> that's suede. <laughs> but it's like, sometimes I just have to learn to trust my gift. <laughs> He's in the kitchen. Um, he really... We also, we get a bit of swearing here as well. We do, Frank. yes. <laughs> we got the bastard. <laughs> we got the bastard. I feel like that's the only word they ever allow themselves to use um, on this show. I feel like used a few times, but they never ever use the, they never use shit. Um, I can't think of ever hearing piss. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to know, is Bastard not considered much of a swear word in America? Because I know there's a couple of episodes of The Simpsons where they use the word bastard. Yeah, and they also use wanker, don't they, in that famous um, U2 episode. Is it trash? It's Trash of the Titans, which yeah. caused a big furore in the UK, because wanker is obviously a swear word over here. But it's not in the in the US. I know on Friends, Chandler calls someone a wank at one point. Um, so yeah, I think bastard must have much much must be much less um, kind of pointed in the US than it is here. Um, but interesting nonetheless, for sure. But I, I, son of a bitch is using phrase. Obviously, the the really funny line with with not uh, Niles to Ross when he's like, uh, "I'll be a son of a bitch," when she's like, "Oh yeah, we've we've eloped. I'm your new mom." Um, <laughs> so you know, we have we have those kind of swear words there. Martin's phase change when when Fraser takes the floor. 
and reveals his theory is absolutely hilarious. And the sum of the lines that follow this scene, absolutely incredible. Maybe you should check to see if there are any bank robberies at the time committed by a short, <laughs> hairy man wearing a powdered rig. I mean, I just... It's almost implausible that Fraser could possibly believe this was the theory. But it's not so very far-fetched. <laughs> so, what do you make of this kind of closing scene? Okay. I really like... I love the way that Fraser is just buying into his own theory more and more. Like, oh, actually, this is... And this might be crazy, but... <laughs> really and I love the fact that they... He still thinks he thinks that the monkey could be going dressed as George Washington. He could still be wearing full Revolutionary War regalia, um, just to confuse any chance witnesses. Um, so funny. And then I love the moment where you know he's he's wrong. Everyone's laughing at him, and he tries to join in and just can't do it. Like, who would the monkey get to defend him? Clarence Darrow. Clarence Darrow. Silence. <laughs> the Scopes Monkey Trial. You know, the Tundra Pulitzer Prize winning play and Eric the Wind. And then, like, just the fact that he's doubling down on, like, referencing an obscure literary work. <laughs> and, like, so that's going to make him more relatable. Um, and then, when he says, Is that gun loaded? That's such a good payoff. That's such a good yeah. delivery. Like, really good way to end that kind of spiral of despair and humiliation that he's in. Um, love that. My my final bullet point for this episode is that I just think an amazing credits gag because I forgot that they they did this thing with Eddie holding the gun in his mouth. So this is almost almost what I was going to write anyway. So they they do a great job. They had to have dressed him up in American Revolutionary War regalia. Surely that would have been hilarious. Just to you know confuse any chance witnesses who <laughs> might come into the apartment. Just put a powdered wig on him. I think that would be absolutely so good. So it's a it's a missed opportunity, but it's a great closing credits gag anyway um is this episode in your top 10 k it is not in my top 10 it's not in mine either though i think it's really good um i think this is a high point in season two personally along with um seat of power that we've already done so far these are the two peaks for me um so far there's definitely a lot of good episodes to come but yeah not in my top 10 what who gets your best actor pick uh this week Kay? i think for me i th- i think this is I think it's quite a Fraser-heavy episode. I think for me, it's got to be Kelsey. I don't well, think... I am also with you there. But yeah, carry on. Yeah, I, just, I don't think anyone else really... I mean, we see bits of Martin, but I don't think he has the opportunity to really progress the story. I mean, a lot of Martin in this episode, I think, is him hunched over the table looking at papers without... Yeah, or jotting down something at the ball game or... Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas Niles, we get flashes off, but not a lot. Um, so I think I think really this story depends on Frasier to drive it forward and as his delivery of in the last scene of him buying into his own theory and then <laughs> trying to fit in with the guys it, I really really like it so um, for me it's got to be Kelsey completely agree yeah perfect summary and that's exactly why I picked him as well though Niles did come kind of close because of the the West Side storyline and the, it's not so very far veg <laughs> um, some some great moments there but yeah um, it's got to be it's got to be Frasier uh, Daphne and, and Roz not really given much to do at all. Um, no, I mean, Daphne, again, not given much to do. Uh, yeah, like, weirdly, she's in the show episode a lot, so even though um, 
yeah, kind of a tough one. Roz is barely, you know, she's relegated after the first couple of minutes. But um, yeah, Daphne's present on screen a lot, but again, feels like a bit part character in this episode. It is very Frasier heavy, and he does drive everything that happens in the in the episode. So yeah, definitely the focus point. Uh, Kennedy Burling, our man on the ground key. What would he make of this episode? And indeed, the 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 unsolved or now solved crime of Helen. I, I just have a vision of Kennedy Burling currently breaking our load of monkeys out um, <laughs> from a zoo um, on the same time going on the internet to buy a load of revolutionary war regalia <laughs> and the world is not ready for that i am terrified of what kennedy <laughs> is going to do with that army of monkeys um but thank you Kay. no further explanations needed um all that remains is to play a little game of whose crane is it anyway and i've got one word for you this week Kay. oh and god it's the only time as far as i am aware that the word is used in the episode and it is traffic traffic like it could be an easier one than you think traffic only one person you oh oh i think i know it oh i think is it that guy who's sitting next to niles and he yes, comes and goes, oh traffic was murder tonight or something yes, like that is. i thought you'd get it well played it's oh he's literally just listed as fan on kcr which i mean is fair enough i'm almost adamant he doesn't have any time to get, get a name um nor would he or should he so yeah it is him boy the traffic's not his murder and then hey pal what's the score west side story That's story there you go boy the traffic tonight is murder hey pal what's the score West Side Story. All that remains is to jump over to Listener Mal. Are you ready for that, Kay? I am indeed. Excellent. Raz, who's our next caller? So over Listener Mal this week, we've got quite a, a host of different comments, actually, of various lengths um, across Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit. I just want to open the first comment, a really long and lovely message we received. Um, I'm so sorry that if I pronounce your name wrong. Um, it's Yanis Sarah Keris, Sarah Keris. I, I have a feeling it could be a, a Greek origin name. Um, it certainly looks Greek to me, but I don't want to assume. Um, and he put, hello from Florida. So excited to finally be writing into you, gentlemen. Came across your podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I'm finally caught up so I can ask all of the questions that have been weighing on my mind. Let me just start out by saying that your podcast has been a great joy to listen to pretty much all day while I work. Just a little sad now that I have to wait a whole week to listen to new episodes, but alas, this is the price we pay for binging. Nonetheless, Frasier is truly an incredible show, and it's great to see that its fans span through the years, even so long after it originally aired. I love what you guys are doing here, and look forward to all the episodes to come. So, since some of these questions I've came, I have came from tangents that spawned from your discussions, we all love a good tangent discussion, I'm just going to list them all out to you to make sure I get them all. First and foremost, I believe in the first or second episode of the podcast, you and Key discuss a movie featuring the great David Hyde Pierce called The Perfect Host. And I don't yes. think either of you ever brought it back up on whether you watched the movie or not. Having seen the movie, I'm very curious to hear what you both thought of it and if you, ha if you have seen it. We do have thoughts on this film, actually. We <laughs> yes. still don't know when we're going to get them out there. Because Key didn't mind it. I didn't finish it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't finish it. But I, you know, I think if I rewatched it again, I probably wouldn't dislike it that much. I didn't dislike it. I, was just, I wasn't super captivated. Um, but I think we'll save those comments for another time because there's, there's yeah. a lot more this comment to go through. Um, um, Will, can I just say, Will, um, Will did... I said, oh, I liked it. I just think of a twist at the end of this. And I almost went, what? <laughs> and he'd switched off before that. Um, 
No, I think we could do maybe at the end of the season a bonus episode on that film because it, there is a lot to discuss about that film. It's um, yeah. There is, and I feel like I can just let you review the film, and I could just pop in for a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, there you go. Uh, he continues. Yanis continues. Um, Will, I very much enjoyed hearing that you're a fan of Outer Scrolls: Oblivion. I have too many hours sunk into that game. Have you played Skyrim at all? I have played Skyrim a lot. I actually got that a day before it came out globally. Um, I don't know how, my pre-order came a day early. I loved it to begin with, but the luster kind of faded and Oblivion has remained king to me. Um, It's the best game I've ever played. It's my favorite game by a mile. Um, Skyrim doesn't really hold a candle to it, in my opinion. Um, He continues, wanted to point out something from the end of your last episode of the podcast, which was episode 35 when he sent this. One of your other listeners, I believe it was Mischief Knight, who had done some deducing on Martin's bullet wound. They mentioned a phrase about Martin having, quote, absolutely no sexual feeling in his groin area. Oh, and he continue, He goes on to say this is a quote from Gertrude, which I think we covered in another listener mail, actually. Um, but yeah, thank you for clearing that up. Um, we knew it was a quote from somewhere, we just didn't know where. Anyways, that's all the questions I can actually remember off the top of my head at the moment. Sorry for the long-winded message, but I just had to get it back all out hopefully i'll be able to add on to the ever-growing group of trivia masters and great questions for you gentlemen in the coming episode episodes of this wonderful production you both are putting on can't wait to hear more really cracking comment that um a lot to kind of digest and read out but yeah lovely lovely comment and thank you for listening for sure and next we have reclia who says um your talk about hearing what they're saying when talking over each other is interesting i feel daft for asking but do you think those are scripted I'd love if you guys could continue deciphering to see, continue this deciphering to see what they're saying when they're talking over each other. She then goes on to say, retirement is murder. It was great to see the murder case solved. However, I found the episode subpar compared to other episodes, although it was good enough not to be a drag. Mm, I I wonder, actually, I think they probably are unscripted. I don't know about I, you. Yeah, I think, um, I don't think you'd script that. I think you'd say to the actors beforehand, you know, this is the sort of thing we want you to talk about. Just run with it. Yeah, and, like um, the scene's going to be coming to an end. You're not going to be focused on, so you can kind of say what you want. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think it'd probably be unscripted. But I'm so I mean, my the challenge of continuing the deciphering whenever this happens, because I think it happens quite a lot over the show. So we'll have to keep our ears to the ground or to the screen, as it were, and uh, try and try and decipher a few more of these. Yeah, thank you, Reclia. Um, fun bits from Mischief Night. He put Will and Key to all Brits really love a grizzly murder and a hot cup of tea. Well, as the beginning of this episode, very clearly and perhaps <laughs> suspiciously so, um, uh, uh, highlighted. Yes, we do. Um, I'm particularly drawn to uh, some strange mysteries and murders and unsolved kind of disappearances and in a completely bl- platonic way, not in like I get some kind of sick enjoyment out of it. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think the mantra is pretty true. I agree with Daphne here. And he put, so did Frazier just steal Bulldog's basketball tickets? I know he can get m- get more from promotions, but it seems like a Philip Hayson move, if you ask me. Yeah, great point. Obviously, I completely forgot this, and Key, you reminded me that he does just take them. Like, what's the deal? That's just really not on. Um, but yeah, really, really great stuff. Um, oh, there's some more, actually. I apologize, Corey. It put, so the murder. So credit to KACR for 780 for pointing out this case was mentioned in two season one episodes. But when I looked into it, I found some interesting discrepancies. Frazier does refer to the case as the Weeping Lotus murder in this episode, which is what Martin calls it in I Hate Frazier Crane. Obviously a reference to uh, to Black Dahlia murders. But in I Hate Frazier Crane, Martin says he was trying to figure out why someone would kill a hooker and try to stuff her entire body into a bowling bag. I remember that quote, actually. Um... 
And in The Crucible, Frasier asks if Bethany Van Pelt brought up the subject of Hooker whose body was hideously dismembered and scattered all over an abandoned warehouse. Martin also added it was only hanging by two tendons. He never said what it was. In this episode, Martin is able to solve the case because of what Helen wrote in the dirt on the ground. So it just seems to me like obviously they didn't know where they were going to make a full episode about this down the line. I feel that way because I think it'd be hard for someone to be sentient enough and to have enough time to think about writing her murderer's name in the dirt whilst possibly being dismembered on a concrete dirtless floor while being stuffed in a bowling bag all while a limb or possibly her head was only attached by two tendons with the killer not around to notice her doing it. Lovely images, right? Completely spot on here. Um, I think that the idea of her writing the name of the murder in the dirt is a bit far-fetched. And what do you make of that, Kay? It's it's very convenient, I think. And mm. yeah, yeah. And the fact that as well that you know for so long it's just oh it's help. Oh, but wait, no, they must have knocked the C. They must have knocked the S, and she didn't finish the B. I, yeah, it's a bit. It's it, a little bit much, isn't it? It's it's a little bit convenient, I think, just to help him tie it up at the end. When yeah. I feel like if that was the case, it would have one come to you a lot sooner than twenty years. And I don't really understand how the, the S got knocked because... Yeah, someone kicked the... dirt over it, apparently. It sounds like a pretty shoddy treatment of the crime scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if it was, if you know, if, if Shelby was trying to cover his tracks, he'd, he'd get rid of the whole thing. He wouldn't just take the S and go, oh, well, you know, I, I want to play fair. So we'll, um, we'll make it difficult, but we'll give him the opportunity. <laughs> Not entirely impossible to catch me. <laughs> Um, no, I'm completely with you. I think it's a little bit far. But they need to give Martin an easy way to uh, to, to kind of get to it. Um, uh, Mike Sway, I, I think a first time. Um, I think it is, yeah. I don't recognize the username. Who's got a trivia question. So based oh, on his Oh, wow. Thinking, Sorry, Mike, we missed this. Based on his thinking, having solved the murder case, this is one for you, Will, mm -hmm. um, what additional recommendations and advice does Frazier give the police officers for other crimes? Sadly, because we didn't ask this at the beginning, because I missed it, Mike, huge apologies. I think it would be, of course, bank robbers uh, in, dressed in full Revolutionary War regalia. Um, possibly others that he mentions, I can't remember. Um, I, I haven't read The Murders of the Rue Morgue, actually, but I'm a huge Edgar Allan Poe fan, um, and I wasn't aware until I watched this episode years ago, that that is the twist, that it's a, a chimpanzee doing it on orangutan. Um, so kind of gutted that I know this, the ending to that short story. Um, but yeah, sorry you missed that question, Mike. But I think the answer to your question is bank robberies dressed as George Washington. Um, argle, goggle, Google goop. Uh, <laughs> never get I'm getting good at saying that now. Thanks, man. <laughs> Another wonderful episode from you guys. Thanks so much never thought about it before but now that you mention it john mcginley's entrance as danny creasel indeed was rather stripper like with him leaning seductively against the door frame and his tight t-shirt and he certainly has the physical appearance to carry it off key all credit to you for making that amazing observation <laughs> i can imagine an alternate scenario whereby uh, uh, whereby upon opening the door daphne was immediately smitten by him like she did when she first met joe in the next season and forgot about the guy with the labrador in the park then Niles will get upset for an entirely different reason. Two character traits slash plot points that were also picked up in later episodes that I liked. Niles' fear of insects and exaggeration of their size. Think it was Mamma Mia when he exclaimed, "Was that what was that, a hummingbird when they were in the cabin and he was equipped with a suitcase of bug spray? His duel with the bee, the size of a woodfinch in Seat of Power, was just a brilliant and inspired acting bit from David Hyde Pierce. The Creasel Reign of Terror. There was a later episode when Niles recounts how the Creasels once chained him to their Great Dane and lobbed meatballs down their gravel driveway. And Fraser adds that he couldn't help Niles as the Creasel's sister was holding him down. 
think this was the episode when Nars goes on to recount how that was less painful than his date with a cat lady. Would be interesting to see if we could interesting if we could see Fraser and Nars deal with the Creasel sister as well. That would be good to have her have her back as like a cameo character in a different episode. Um, looking forward to your recap of retirement is murder. Keep up the great work. In the next comment, we have uh, Ludicrous Poppinjay, who says, Fun episode, guys. Niles on the Balcony is probably my favourite bit of physical comedy in the entire show. It's very underrated, in my opinion. My apologies for the brief comment. This week is very busy at work, but I'm looking forward to making more substantial comments on next week's episode. Excellent. Thank you, Ludicrous Poppinjay. Sydney Asbasket, once again a brilliant episode. John McGinley's a great guest star. Will and Key, you've done it again. Not let us down a dark Freudian hallway, as Lilith would say, but reviewed this episode perfectly. Thank you, and God bless Mr. Asbasket. We then have Cam Winston, who says, somebody call for a plumber, followed by, <laughs> I think the blame here is 50-50. I love that delivery. That's a really good impression, actually, Kay. Thank you. <laughs> Is it slightly better than my joke, Eden? <laughs> or your uh, impression of Bulldog? Um, you, haven't, you haven't heard, actually. I'm putting out that episode today. Um, and every time, or at least for the first half of the episode, every time one of us says Bulldog, I've edited <laughs> in, you go, Ruff! <laughs> Listen out for that. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, um, yeah, back to Cam. Um, he's done well going from a plumber to a scrubs doctor, hasn't he? Old John C. McGinley, better known as Danny Creasel. Um, seat of Power, one of the best from season two. Another great podcast episode, guys. No flies or bees to kill this week, Will. Must have no, gotten them all. <laughs> but please uh, keep that off-topic banter going. It's hilarious. Has Have you had any more beans from a can yet? Sorry, I digress. I have. I have them very regularly now. <laughs> it must be, must be known. <laughs> I mean, I still do genuinely have them at least a couple of times a week. So Honestly, no do I. I'm not even kidding. I've just, just beans and a stir a bit of curry powder into them and a bit of cumin. Perfect. When, when are you going to put those uh, sausages in there, I'm going Honestly, I promise you they will be eaten before the year <laughs> is out. That is how I'm capping off my 2020. Um, yeah, Cam, um, I don't especially give too much grief to Fraser and Nars in this episode. As Martin... Um, uh, yeah, as Martin did about not knowing how to fix the toilet, because personally, I wouldn't know how to either. However, I would like to learn just so I can say that brilliant line, we are ready to flush. <laughs> Ignore me, I'm just being playful, courtesy of Lilith. Uh, Key, do you have the big Mercedes? Oh, I really want the big Mercedes. I want to be like, oh. Uh, if the... one of us had the E320 and one of us had the S-Class, you would definitely have the S-Class. Oh, thank you. Your <laughs> big Mercedes. <laughs> Um, hashtag up the villa peace. villa up the villa excellent thank you so much Cam Winston Hamish for those excellent comments next up and last but not least is Frightened Refugee 55 uh, who we have heard from before not a new time caller maybe we should all be thankful that they booked John C. McGinley instead of Ted the infamous sitcom killer who had his very own section on the Jump the Shark site I'm not sure what that's a reference to um, sorry to let you down there Frightened Refugee do you know what that's a reference to Kay? I'm not sure. I mean, I obviously know the jump the shark being, you know, when Fonz. Yeah, Fonz. yeah, Fonz. Yeah. Um... I'm not sure what Ted the sitcom killer means. Um, um, I'm not sure if maybe. I don't know if, if there's maybe a character or an actor who's particularly well known for marking the decline of sitcoms, maybe. Um... That's a really good show. Or it's a different role for John C. McGinley, or it's just a sitcom trope that maybe we're not familiar with. Um, very intrigued. So please, please follow up with that. Um, we don't want to leave it hanging. As for the elder Creasel, Mike Starr, since Will is a lover of many pieces of Americana, oh, love this. Thank you. Thank you for noticing, including The Office. He shows up in season six of that show. 
I won't reveal more, just in case spoilers matter, but it's always fun when universes collide like that. Keep up the great work. He does show up in the office. I'm trying to think of... Um, yes, he plays a guy who um, Mike, uh, Michael Scott and, and some others, they think he's in the Mafia and they go to like, a restaurant with him. And like they order like Garbagool or something because they're trying to order like Mafia Sopranos esque meals. Um, but yeah, awesome and great comment there. Like linking in my love for Americana. It's always always nice when people uh, people tap into that. Um, but thank you everyone who wrote in this week. Some great comments there. There's actually two more before I forget um, that we shared on the Twitter. Um, so you might have seen we're at FraserPod on Twitter if you don't already follow us. Um, two lovely comments we received via DM. I'm sure they won't mind us me reading them out. We'll keep them anonymous just because that's how we presented them on Twitter. Uh, I'll read the first one. So they put, hello, I grew up in Seattle, spent the last several years in LA, and I've just moved to London. Brackets, been in quarantine. Today is Independence Day. I don't know a soul, and the other day I attempted to turn to Frasier for the comforts of home, only to find I can't stream it here. My sister told me about your podcast, and it's been one of been my one and only source of entertainment. Bless you, I'll never tire of listening. You complete me. I wanted to use a Frasier quote, but couldn't think of one on the fly, save for, I would shave my head for you, which doesn't really work without context. Thanks for listening. A wonderful comment there. I think, one, it's amazing that we've been keeping this person company during lockdown. But two, that two people in their family listen to this podcast. That is the most alarming thing to me. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really beautiful message. It really touched me, actually, that message. Really um, after a long day, I saw that, and it's it's really, really beautiful. So thank you. Um, Do you want to uh, read the other one, Kay? Yeah, so um, the other one we had was um, just messaging to say thanks so much for the podcast. It's so nice to listen to whilst out wandering. Found it watching Frasier on repeat during lockdown and now using the podcast to beat my pandemic agoraphobia. First two-hour walk in seven months. Thanks to, um, thanks to listening to you guys chatting. Loving it. Really hope you go through the whole series. Well, we're definitely going to be doing that, so we are not going anywhere. Um, but yeah, another lovely comment. Again, the fact that we've been you know, keeping people company during lockdown, during the pandemic and stuff is just amazing. Um, and the, the context of that one in particular, you know, helping you as you kind of take some steps outside and shake off the cabin fever that pandemic has brought on of all of us, I think, um, is really wonderful. So two great comments there. Um, thank you so much. If you want to leave a comment or question, you can do it on the Reddit. We post there every week, which is reddit.com slash Frasier. And we're normally at the top somewhere. Twitter at FraserPod. We're also on Facebook under We're Listening, a Frasier podcast. Um, and if you feel inclined to drop us a tip at any point, ko-fi.com slash FraserPod. We'll take you to our kind of little Cafe Nervosa counter where you can buy us a coffee as a tip. Um, and there's a few bonuses that are explained on there as well. Just to remind you, Key, we do have a couple of people, a couple of episodes, special bonus episodes to record at some point. Um, Ludicrous Poppin' Jay has made his donation and wants us to record a couple of episodes of Cheers, where Frasier first appears, which we're very excited to do. And I've also received another one from, um, from someone else, Warm Taffy, the username who's commented before. And they have picked, um, I, I, don't, I think they've not confirmed it yet, but I think what they're going to pick is a couple of episodes of 30 Rock, which is a show I've always wanted to watch, actually. And I imagine a lot of listeners have watched a, a very popular American sitcom also on NBC. And Kelsey Grammer appears in a couple of episodes of that, playing a really hyped up version of himself, which sounds amazing. Um, so already the suggestions from people who have donated sound really good. 
So excited for those. Yeah, well, we probably between us need to work out when we're recording. We probably need to make record at least we do. the Cheers one probably in the next week or two. Yeah, maybe. the Cheers one will be first. Um, I, I've said to them both, you know, this is a trial thing. We're definitely going to do them. It might take a month or two at the, at the max, no longer than two months. Um, but we will, we will get to that. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone who wrote in. Thank you all the trivia masters as always. Next week we'll be looking at season two, episode fourteen, which is "Fool Me Once, Shame on You." Um, I can't actually remember what that episode is about. Okay, can you can you possibly? I'm um, really struggling actually from the title. I'm just uh, a little look here. The guy takes his briefcase and then yeah, Nathan yeah. Lane, who was nominated for an Emmy for his role actually as as lazy guy um, who steals Fraser's. Um, briefcase uh so yeah we'll get to that next week but other than that i've been will i've been key thank you very much for listening to we're listening hey baby i hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs oh my and maybe i seem a bit confused yeah maybe but i got your pegs <laughs> but i don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs